0: Hello, all. Welcome to the Lunar C Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 394, and today we'll be talking about Dating Season and Anne vs. Wild from Amphibia. I'm GC13. And I'm David. You know, I I just really like it when they bring in voice actors that I'm familiar with. Uh, the stage announcer in Dating Season. I knew it was Almighty Tallest Purple as soon as I heard him. But I had to go <laughs> check to make sure, and yes, glad to see Kevin McDonald still getting out there. Soggy Joe though, for some reason I had forgotten just how many cartoons uh Soldier76's voice actor is in, and
1: Amphibia is one of them. I mean, whenever you need that archetype, you bring in the guy to do it, you know? I really um, you know, sad that there isn't more of Kevin included. Like his character just isn't that important to the show. I don't know why he takes these gigs, you know? I mean he played in a feature-length film in lilo and stitch and he did the almighty Talls for so long so i don't understand you know why i guess he just takes little gigs now this is what happens when you make it really high up you know you look at a upcoming weekend you're like uh it's free i could use the little cash i guess or you know just do a favor for some friends uh, i get it well it's always fun hearing someone familiar but uh what's not so fun is being forced To date your friend, which is dating season. What a yeah. What a what a fun example of the horrible traditions of amphibia, plus the horrible wildlife of amphibia, plus the twist that oh, did you think we were going to break the archetypes of the lead boy and some girl not being into each other? No, Sprig's still going to be into (laughs) Ivy by the end. That that was such a good ending, and you just fell in love (laughs) there. Yep. Yep,
0: uh, can't can't escape. My heart breaks for Maddie, though, but I guess she'll have to find somebody. But back- I mean, it's Sprig; she's not going to have that hard a time.
1: Yeah, this is the uh, first callback to the fact that Sprigg is betrothed, and uh, it won't go away. <laughs> oh yeah, I, uh, I I'm looking forward to that episode. But yeah, so the courtship ritual um, was exactly what you'd expect they get shoved in horrible tight outfits that cause their arms to stick up and then they are (laughs) forced to do like the most awkward dance ever while hop hop dreams of being obscenely rich i love how verbal he is and simple he is the lady
0: is just (laughs) dreaming of slave labor
1: yeah yeah and yeah (laughs) ivy's mom's like it's nuanced why she would want sprig to be married to her and i'm like what is the (laughs) nuance and also why is she so willing to be linked to the psychopathic old man who keeps screaming (laughs) about the seeds next to her there's something weird
0: going on maybe she figures hop pop is going to die of a heart attack pretty soon and so she's not gonna have to hold up her end of the bargain for long
1: i i find it fascinating I suppose there aren't that many other young boy frogs if, you know, that's all Ivy's into and that's what this little courtship system needs. But, um, okay, yeah. I, I appreciate, though, that Hop-Hop's terrible financial security continues to drive so much humor. Um, the poor guy's IOUs are just not cutting it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I do remember the, they tried to pass the IOUs at her place, so maybe she needs to recoup a little bit of cash. I mean, I guess technically they already did with the gold,
1: so they should be square. I guess the fact that they are square, you know, took away some of the tension of, again, their families joining, which, from my perspective, only seems positive for Hop Hop, but whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Now, now that you mention it, this reminds me of a Crusader Kings 2 joke I saw somebody make. Somebody said, she told me she wanted to be treated like a princess, so I married her off to some stranger to strengthen our alliance with Hungary.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is a, that's about right. You know, Amphibia's cultural world is not being um, shaken up, you know? I do appreciate that this cultural system remains the same. It's not like the whole town realizes that this is a sham. It's just Hop-Pop and Ivy's mom realizing, oh, maybe we can wait on this. Except that, uh, you know, hop Hop says he's going to immediately fixate on Polly next. Great, <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: I haven't learned a thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, want to talk about Anne versus Wild briefly. This was uh this was another one where protagonist digs themselves a hole because they uh, can't just have an honest conversation. Anne does that a lot. She's did she pack a shovel or two in that backpack
1: of hers? You know, sometimes. Uh, simplistic cartoons have their protagonists act this way, but it's not a deeply ingrained part of their character. This is vital <laughs> to Anne is. And so I'm, I'm much happier with it driving the plots, even when it's for something as stupid as I wanna, uh, I need to prove that I can camp. Except that I, it's so beautifully tied in with the fact that she actually is changing. She cares so much more about the planters now. Even though her thing is that yeah. she wants to be included in groups and she'll do anything to be a part of them. You know, a, n- a negative aspect, it also shows that she's, you know, wants to be accepted. Of course, whether or not that's a good thing, like, she's willing to do anything that whatever group she wants to be a part of needs to do. Whether it's, you know, stealing and thievery or... Or going camping. Or going camping. <laughs> but at least they're nicer activities now. Now, have I talked about Darkwing Duck lately?
0: Mm, No. Because I remembered that uh Darkwing Duck's, like, his whole thing was, I'm a very egotistical character. What I did not realize until I got the DVDs was, oh, oh, this is like the plot driver of literally every episode, is how big Darkwing's ego is. Like, yeah. that's what always gets him into trouble, and that's what always
1: gets Anne into trouble, is she doubles down. Use your character's follies to drive the plot. Don't just have, you know, you can also drive narratives by things happen and then how will our character react to them but uh, you know it's also pleasant to have your plot driven by your character <laughs> and uh you know whatever decisions they make being their their downfall and amphibia's world is never sugar like the horrors that await Anne include cannibal frogs that are they are truly cannibals, and even though they're defeated by something as stupid as a bath bomb, which actually explodes. Not sure the mechanics of that. <laughs> yes, the bath bomb
0: was great because I love because everyone's like, it's just a bath bomb. They call it a bomb, so she throws it, and it just starts to fizz like you know you would expect a bath bomb to. And then no, no, boom! It's like the the paintballs or like the paint
1: grenades from Craig of the Creek. It's like whoa, that 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 could kill somebody. <laughs> Yep. Oh, or in this case, just strip the mud off of some now very embarrassed, but absolutely lethal frogs.
0: Yes. Embarrassed, but definitely cannibal (laughs) frogs.
1: Yeah. All I wanted to do was
0: get covered in mud and eat people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then the awkward conversation that followed it uh, was... Truly lovely, where we just recap the plot for no reason.
0: The recap to Soggy Joe was nice. I'm glad they went all the way with it. I was I was afraid that, you know, he would lose interest or they would get tired of telling him, but no, they stuck with the bit the whole way through. I loved it. Yeah,
1: Soggy Joe's character was great because they absolutely knew the right moment to swap him to just being kind of a regular guy who's just weird and, you know. Has no actual tough guy persona for some reason. And then they all go to get pancakes. You guys want to go get pancakes early?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What was that in his beard, though? It was a skeleton, but of what? A skeleton of a dead something. Yeah. Man. I mean, I, I I was afraid that the cannibals wouldn't be cannibals. They would just be like, it would all be a misunderstanding. But nope. Eat people.
1: Yeah, although I will say, I think the planners oversold their plan for camping because the second ex- horrible experience is what I figured they were actually warning Anne about. It's funny that yeah. they're like, oh, don't come with us. And it was actually, that part was fine. <laughs> you know, the actual camping was fine. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty nice camp. I mean, Anne somehow still managed to make it horrible for herself because she rolled off a hill and into like spines and spikes and ticks and then she decided after all of that that she needed to prove herself to be even more hardcore I mean that's that's <laughs> the truly dumb thing
0: maybe they were doing like you know they're like oh I'm just gonna pick a fair warning and we like to camp rough and it's like yeah Spongebob and Patrick you know just just to warn you we always show up fashionably late and then they show up one minute late 8.01pm <laughs> yeah so that that might have been what the what Sprig and Hot Pop were doing. They they don't know how not hardcore they are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they go camping with potable water. <laughs> Whew, what weenies. But uh yeah, so after all this, of course, we have to start driving the plot forward finally, right? Uh we yep. we know that we have to wait on leaving the village to seek out Ant's yep. friends until, you know, the season changes, but Hey, it turns out Hop Hop has a book for some reason that warns about the music box. Big mystery.
0: I got super suspicious when he did the whole. Uh, let me let me examine it very closely. Oh, no idea what it is. And then, well, I'm gonna go to bed. And just like uh, with a uh, Suspicion Island, he did the I'm gonna conspicuously go to bed before everyone else, <laughs> so no one suspects me, and that makes me immediately suspect him. <laughs>
1: that's that's all old men have in their sleeves right is oh we're always so tired (laughs) let me go to my study and research the calamity box yeah so it's pretty weird though that at this point you're like hop hop is totally this innocuous farmer and so there's really no reason why he would have any connection to this clearly monumentally important artifact and I'm gonna be honest with you, I've actually forgotten the progression <laughs> how much <laughs> this is relevant to him. I'm like, how do we actually get to modern day amphibia from this? So I'm excited to relive that journey because I honestly, I, I know that he I, I think he ultimately doesn't know that much, but I can't remember if we learned anything about the origin of the book or, you know, how deep his understanding is. I only remember hmm. the spoiler that he uh, you know, goes to some lengths to keep it hidden from Anne for some time. But I don't actually remember how deep it goes. You know, come to think of it, him sitting there reading about the
0: Calamity Box in his study alone really reminded me of uh, Stan with the Mm -hmm. journals. It's like, I would have expected this from the Owl House, uh, a Gravity Falls reference. But uh, I guess Amphibia, I mean, Gravity Falls was very popular. Why not take inspiration?
1: I mean, look. It's just a wonder that Amphibia hasn't done a reveal with a VHS tape yet, right? Like, I think we finally just left that era of like, man, Adventure Time did that really cool thing where they went from being like a show that more just appeals to kids and is random and funny to like, oh my god, (laughs) there's a dude with dementia from another era where Earth had wars and wasn't full of candy. Crazy, you know? so yeah we're finally it's like cool we moved on from that and now we're going with dudes older dude secretly is researching something that is you know related to the protagonist's plot but is keeping it hidden for his own you know meaning but uh so that's fine i don't know dating season i knew
0: it was going to be a hard episode for me as soon as i saw that title but uh thankfully they got out of the super duper awkward phase a lot quicker than they uh, could have. The love doves were a great way to transition that episode. And also (laughs) the the fact that they're out there just admiring the fireflies was also a great way to warn us about, oh yeah, they're totally gonna fall in love.
1: Yeah. Well, at least right now, you know, it can be imagined that it might be one-sided and that'll cause some drama for some time. That Sprig, you know, doesn't Eh. want to come out with his feelings because now she, you know, he was directly told by Ivy that yeah, I don't want to date at all. <laughs> so, oh well. Too bad Anne had that weight lifted off of her soul when <laughs> uh, Polly ate that magazine. Yeah, she wasn't even, like, upset about it. She immediately is just like, wow, this great weight was lifted off me. Which, I think it's funny that she's supposed to, you know, she's supposed to be representative of the modern teen girl and, like, the things influencing them whenever whatever and, like, things on her smartphone. But no one's reading like teen teen relationship advice magazines are totally a product of like someone raised in the 90s early 2000s like there no one is going through like their local walmart and picking up like teen magazines off the shelves right and didn't we already go through the Everyone's
0: whole, on Instagram now girl
1: Right like all the they're crappy relationship Instagram, advice right? is delivered no through like tiktok now right like you're not uh, whatever <laughs> you're you're going to be learning like incredibly crappy Statistics that aren't real about like ninety percent of soulmates from you know your phone screen.
0: Look, man. The only thing I want to learn from TikTok is that the Roman Empire never existed and that Latin is not real.
1: It's all I want to hear from TikTok. (laughs) If you have anything else, save it for YouTube. I just appreciate the anachronicity of Anne's obsessions, but whatever.
0: (laughs) Now I'm just imagining somebody with a, a muscle car that they're hot rodding. And a smartphone that they're looking up hot rodding videos on. Let's give them the stereotypical <laughs> greaser outfit. I'll I'll have fun. Mm-hmm. So uh those love doves did those did survive though, right? Yeah, I mean they just got hit with sticks. I thought I saw both of them breathing. I know one was breathing for sure, but I mean they were they were clutching claws there, so I think they're
1: both fine. I mean, how pop survived his tip from his mosquito message delivery boy, so <laughs> I'm sure that the, you know, wild animals survived getting hit by a stick.
0: We never found out if he got to do those chores, though. (laughs) We don't know if he had enough energy for the chores.
1: I really love the hyper focus on the realism of every statement that a character makes. Because I wasn't even thinking about like, did Hop-Hop do the chores he mentioned later? (laughs) I'm just like, characters say things for jokes. But I like the idea that it's like, (laughs) <laughs> Someone would finish the episode and go, "I wonder how much energy he had." That's <laughs> great.
0: We need a we need a commentary track to let us know. By the way, no, the delivery boy took too much blood. Hot Pop wasn't able to finish doing the dishes. Polly had to take care of it. Cuz you know, Unlike what, uh, what, Miss Ivy or whatever her name was, son?
1: I don't remember her name.
0: Whatever Ivy's mom thinks, Sprig is not a hard worker, and I have no idea where she got that idea. <laughs> have you even met this boy before,
1: lately? And why on earth would she trust Hop-Hop's word if that was in his, you know, letter? <laughs> no, no, she said he looks like a hard worker. That was
0: her <laughs> judgment. She cannot blame Hop-Hop for that.
1: Look, her decisions are nuanced, okay? Let's leave it at that. Yeah, they must be.
0: Look, I guess free labor is free labor, but you still got to feed him, honey. The boy can eat. (laughs) Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Dating Season and Anne vs. Wild. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13.
1: And I'm David. And if you're looking to do some creative writing, um, a great place to exercise that would be writing a review. For this podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, uh, preferably one which completely tears us to shreds and gives us all the pieces we need to uh, reach a new critical audience. Um, I'm just you know talking out of my butt at this point. You can definitely mention how long I ramble during the segment in which I ask you to write a review and uh, and and leave us comments. Um, let's see how much worse can I dig this hole? I can't. <laughs> And therefore, I'm ending it. Um, and like all good podcasters, I leave you with the end. Later, everybody.
0: <laughs> Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit com.